because they're more worn. So that one more is your way now. Um, yeah, so tonight we got a uh, special speaker for you guys. Um, told you guys about it uh, this past week and uh, the message out today. Uh, but this guy is used to be a campus pastor, and he'll probably tell you more of his story. Uh, then he went on staff uh, with the campus ministry at NC State. You guys might, might have met some of those guys uh, at Sikkim. Those of you who've been to Sikkim, uh, you might have seen them around. Uh, he is now our XAI area rep for the South. Um, and really, the more I get to know him, the more uh, I really like this guy. So, if you guys would give a round of applause to Steve Borden. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. So, yeah. I've got the mic on. You can hear it okay? It's a little mic. Right on the t shirt. Right on the t shirt. All right. Does that work better? You hear it better? Okay. I can't really hear it here. I'm there's no monitor in my view. Right? So it's good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Yeah, it's great being with you guys. You know, as I serve in this new role, I have some things that I want to share with you about how I'm serving the Southeast or Chi Alpha uh, here in the U.S. Um, but I have some other things that I want to share too that I hope will be a real inspiration to you. So uh, great being here at Marshall University and plenty of investors in you. All right, first thing I'd like to post to you tonight is this. In the world, would these five people have in common? Shell Oil Executive, an Undersecretary of Education for his country, Benin, in West Africa, a world renowned fashion designer for plus size women, a pharmacist who's also a pastor in Toledo, Ohio, and the Director General of the National Public Health his country of Liberia. What would all those have in common? I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> Let me introduce myself as Caleb uh, endeavored to do. I'm really uh, uh, glad to be able to be here tonight. You know, I have invested in students for uh, 40 years from ministry career, uh, but I still find it uh, wonderful to be able to meet a new group that I can invest in at least for a few minutes. And I hope that you'll feel like that it's not been a waste of your time, but actually uh, something that you gain from tonight and the time that we spent together. Let me introduce myself a little bit, which probably will give a lot of information as to how I build on that here in a few minutes. I am proud to be able to come from Scottish and German heritage. My ancestry is from the Cameron clan of the Highlands in Scotland. Does that impress anybody? Um, my wife Sharon comes from Irish and Scottish ancestry. Her Scottish clan actually was a friendly clan to ours back in the day. Now, how in the world do I know this information? Well, I can tell you this because my wife is a genealogist, not by profession, but by hobby, having spent probably the last 20 years tracing our family roots back a good 350 to 400 years and having documented proof of all of that, I just wish she would publish it before it might get lost with a fire or a tornado in our house with all the documentation that she keeps up in our attic. I personally was raised an Air Force brat. Anybody else a military brat? No? Okay. Tell me. Let me tell you, that's the life. Uh, traveling around the country, living around the world. Uh, I actually lived for three years in Japan when I was four, five, and six years old. I lived in the Philippine Islands when I was... 12 and 13 year old, I think it was. I enjoyed living overseas. I've also enjoyed cross-cultural relationships all of my life. I've had friends of other ethnicities uh, for as long as I can remember. Even during those tense racial times in the 60s and in the Vietnam War era, I don't recall really ever having trouble talking with people, especially those who are not like me. Yes, I was raised in a Christian home, which is different from some of you. Yes, twice on Sundays and every Wednesday night and most Saturdays involved some kind of activity or ministry at church. In my childhood and teen years, I was always in church, always involved in youth group, always involved in Bible quiz and fine arts. I believe that I was a witness for Christ in most programs, maybe even a good example to some. But it wasn't until my summer 
between my junior and senior year in high school that I really got serious with God. Or maybe I should put it this way, he got serious with me. He finally got my attention. Well, I found myself going from high school years, graduating in Southeast Virginia from Prince George High School uh, in Prince George County, uh, um, going on to a Nazarene Bible college. Now, Nazarene may not mean anything to you, but it is a fellowship of churches like the Assemblies of God. And so I appreciated how I was raised in a free Methodist and Nazarene uh, group or fellowship of churches. And I went to a school called Rebecca Nazarene College in Nashville, Tennessee, where I majored in youth ministry. Now, usually your major is then what people expect you to uh, work in, right, from your major. How many of us know that when Kyoto, it doesn't always work out that way, right? Especially those of us who are staff now, right? We, are, we were majors in something else, and now we're Kyoto staff. Well, the woman that I um, met between my junior and senior year of college, she was going to Southeastern College in Lakeland, Florida. I was going to this Nazarene Bible College in Nashville, Tennessee. But we met in the summer of well, I mean, uh, the summer of uh, '75, and uh, we got married. And God has blessed us with three great children, now grown children. They're older than you. They're much older than you because I'm much older than you. Okay. And so we got married and had a family of three. We served as youth and music ministers for about 12 years in churches in South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Well, during some of those early years, I also worked in Christian radio. I worked as an account executive. That means I basically was going around to retail clients all around the city and selling and producing radio commercials to promote their sales or best buys or you know their businesses in general. And I did some on-air record spinning. Yes, back in the day when we still spun records, even for Christian radio stations. And then my very first Christian radio station that I worked for was WEMN. Huntington, West Virginia. But believe it or not, this is kind of fun being back here because about eight blocks down the street off of 3rd Avenue, where WEMM Radio is still housed as a studio, that's where I started at Christian Radio 39 years ago, 1981 and 82. And while we were living here in Huntington, first in Ashland, across the river in Kentucky, but then in Huntington, this is where my daughter, Stephanie, was born, at Cabell Huntington Hospital. So it's kind of cool for my wife and I, and by the way, my wife is not here tonight, I'm sorry for that, she's still suffering with a cold that's just made her sick today in the last couple of weeks of all of our busy ministry traveling. We've been on the road about 4,000 miles in the last four weeks, just coming and going, you know, ministering in various places, so I'm sorry that she just kind of took of that tonight and couldn't be with us. But she is glad to be kind of back in the city where our daughter was born. Wow, 39. I wonder if she's lost. She's not 39 years old. So 39 years ago. Well, I told you that I was in youth ministry for 12 years. Sometimes I was making a living in Christian radio because the churches that I was youth pastor uh, could not afford, you know, to give us a salary or at least a sufficient salary. And so uh, after 12 years of youth ministry. Then the Lord led in such a way that we pastored a church for three and a half years in Oregon, in the Northwest. If I could take my current ministry in Southeast USA and move everybody to Oregon in the Pacific Northwest, I would just be in awe. Uh, it would just be great. Um, but you can't. So uh, we loved the years in Oregon. And then I became a U.S. missionary with the Assemblies of God with Kyle. Now, why have I said all of that as far as some history it's because it's going to be important when I come to tell you about what God's doing in my life today. For I guarantee you, young people, listen to this. You may not think that anything's happening now in your life that is really setting the stage for 5 and 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years down the road, but it is. It may not even be revealed to you. You may not even have the wisdom to comprehend it, but I'm telling you, what's happening now is going to make you or break you to form you, it's going to transform you into the person that you need to be, God willing, into what he needs you to be in the years to come. Well, for more than 26 years now, I've been a high Alpha campus missionary. My first two years when I resigned that church in Oregon and moved from Oregon all the way to New Hampshire was to be a brand new Kyle director 
didn't know what I was doing. All I knew, I had had a U.S. missions appointment uh, with the Assemblies of God, and I was suddenly a triumphant pastor who didn't know what he was doing at Dartmouth College, one of the graduating schools in New Hampshire. That was short-lived. Not because we were so bad, but because it was just something that really should not have come together at that time. Then I spent 16 years as the director of Chi Alpha at Kent State uh, in Mac School, Marshall's Mac. Oh, not anymore. Who are they with now? Conference USA. Okay. But how many of you remember the days when Marshall and Kent State used to play each other? Okay. Yeah. Marshall probably won. Okay. 16 years at Kent State, uh, not only being the director of the Chi Alpha there, but also the state director of the state of Ohio for Chi Alpha those last five years that we were there. And then the last eight years, we have been on the staff team at NC State, a Wolfpack, in the ACC school um, as XAI director. Now again, what in the world does that mean to you? Well, nothing except to simply say that just about the time that you would think I, after 42 years of ministry, 26 years of those with Chi Alpha, would pretty much say, isn't it about to call it a night? Isn't it just about time to wrap things up? Isn't it about the time that everybody uh, seen that I can no longer color my hair, and if I grow a beard, it's going to grow in white like this, okay, and I'm not fooling anybody anymore. I'm not a student. I'm not a younger staff. I'm very much better in staff. And so what good would God have with me, even after all these years in ministry? Even this will be an encouragement to our pastor, even in the back, that until God says he's finished with us, he's not, and he's always got new adventures for us. Well, back in October of this last fall, I resigned from on-campus ministry, meaning having my own students that I was pastoring and discipling and training, uh, to now actually serving, as Caleb said, as the southeast area, this eight-state region from Huntington, West Virginia, at the farthest north, to Miami, Florida, to the farthest south, to Memphis, Tennessee, to the farthest west, to pretty much Raleigh, North Carolina, or we should say Nagsad, the Outer Banks, where we have Sikkim, to the farthest east, all right? Now, in most of those 26 years in Chi Alpha, the groups that I have led or pastored have actually predominantly been international groups. Most of my pastoring in Chi Alpha have been with Asians and Africans and Europeans, some Latinos. Now, you might ask, well, why have you been serving so much among internationals in outreach and discipleship? What's the matter? Don't you like Americans? And I used to tell Americans, you're right. I don't like Americans. That's why I work with internationals. Some actually thought I was serious. Of course, I love American students, too. Let me tell you, when I was back in, um, I'm sorry, when I was called into ministry back in my teens, before I went away to college, I believed that I was called to youth and missions. Now, originally, I thought that that might play out like maybe you could imagine. Being a youth pastor who loves his kids, loves his, loves his teens, helps them mature as young disciples, and occasionally leads them on domestic or international mission trips. That's usually what we think about when we talk about youth and missions. But I found out soon after those years of youth pastoring and pastoring that as soon as I came to the Kyle that really this is what God was making me into and preparing me for. It was not until I came into Kyopa that I began to envision that my calling could actually find its greatest expression in reaching and discipling international students, scholars, and their spouses who are on our American campuses and inspiring and training American students to do the same so that the nations might be discipled in Christ. It's funny. Back in 1988, before you were even born, right? Eight teenagers, actually young adults, do a college and career retreat. That's what we used to call a lot of our young adult ministry back in the day. College and career. Young adults in Central Florida. So I took them to a retreat, but I found out real soon that the retreat wasn't for them, for me. You ever been to those kind of things? Whether it's a preaching message, a Kyle meeting, 
um, you know, summer camp where you feel like it doesn't matter who else is here. I know God's talking to me. Well, that was that college and career retreat. And this Kyoka campus missionary who was from SIU, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, Southern Illinois, a new campus minister himself of Kyoka, was telling all these stories about international students and how they were reaching them, how God was doing signs and wonders and miracles through much of the ministry that they were affecting. And I just found myself there, not just for my students and how God might speak to them, but I found myself at about 35 years of age just wondering, wow, this is for me. I mean, I'm hearing a new redirection in my life. Can I tell you? I know that we all have our inspirational song. What's your favorite Christian song? Comes of the Father. Who has another one? Who has a favorite Christian song right now? Yep. Echo. Echo. Anybody else? We know that Christian music can inspire us, right? Well, the first time, the first time, the first time I ever heard this song sung was at a college and career retreat. And I'm not going to try to sing it for you. I used to have a Christian radio voice. You know, my wife says, aren't you, aren't you glad that you have a aren't you glad that you have a Facebook radio? And not for TV. Okay. Uh, I was never meant for TV, but I was ideal for radio. And I remember hearing a song sung at that college and career retreat. That went something like this. You can find it in Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I will give the nations as an inheritance. Second verse of the song says, Here am I. Send me to the nations as an ambassador for you. Guys, I was undone in that retreat. Instead of me praying over the young people that I brought from the retreat, they were praying over me. And in 1997, the beginning of my second year at Kent State, I was reminded of that stunning call or clarity in my life when as I was walking across campus, just like I was walking across your campus today, earlier this afternoon, that as I was walking across campus and began to notice even more so than ever before, the hundreds of international students that were walking across the campus and, and crying out to God and complaining to God. Somebody needs to minister to these students, God. Somebody needs to reach and disciple these students. Who's going to reach these? And it was as if God just hit me over the head with a sledgehammer and said, so now you finally have figured out why I brought you here. And it changed my life because now for about the last, what's that been, 23 years at least, I have been fully devoted in trying to reach and students. But how about you? Have you started thinking yet as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, young staff, why is it that God has brought you to Marshall University? Here's some things I'd like you to consider tonight in our time together. In Chi Alpha, we believe that God has brought the nations to America's campuses that they might come to know Him. No other place in all the world can we have a greater opportunity to reach internationals who will be movers and shakers. They are already the creme de la creme. They are the best of the best from around the world who have been sent by their governments, by their educational associations, by their own parents that they might be highly educated, further educated here in America, using our world-class facilities, our renowned professors, our labs and, and libraries and whatever it might be, so that they can advance what they hope is a sure and successful career. But they are here, and we believe that God has opened the door that they can be here. 1.1 million of them from about 150 nations that are right now are on our American campuses. And I believe that God has opened doors that they can study in America so that they might come that much closer in hearing the presentation of the gospel and actually see us as living letters being read by them and learning more about God. We believe that God has brought the nations to know Him, that through relationships with Christians, 
like students like you, that whether through Chi Alpha students or Chi Alpha staff on various campuses or churches in those campus communities, like what Pastor represents here, that somehow these international students might come to know Jesus Christ. They'll come to know him through our biblical hospitality of welcoming him into our lives. They'll come to know him because of the way that we love and serve them intentionally. They'll come to know him because we will boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to be his ambassadors as they are on our campuses. So in Chi Alpha, if you don't know this, you see every Chi Alpha, including Marshall XA, MUXA, you see every Chi Alpha move international students from friendship to leadership. So that as they graduate and move on and leave this community, that we can send them as Christ ambassadors to transform not only the university while they're here, while you're here, but also the marketplace in the world. We believe that there is such great potential right now in reaching international students on our American campuses. It might have a greater impact than even for all the world missionaries that are around the world in various fields. So we see every Chi Alpha. Developing God's heart for the nations and international students. If you go to Sikkim, if you go to any Kayapa events in the, in the future, we hope that you're going to hear a lot about how we're asking American and other Christian international students to recognize and have vision for reaching internationals that are on our campuses. That we want to see Kayapa loving and serving the international students, proclaiming the gospel to them, discipling them in God's work and then sending them as Christ ambassadors. You know, I spent a lot of years wanting to be every international student's friend on my campus. And actually, there was a time where I felt like that almost was happening, that I knew everybody and everybody knew me in the international student community. And actually, it got to a point where I got a little proud of that because I recognized that everybody knew me and I knew pretty much everybody else but my students weren't engaged in knowing those other students. Can I tell you one thing? International students are not just here to be our friends, they're here to be Christ's friends. And if we don't recognize the great opportunity we have of being a friend of God, to lead them into friendship with God, then I think we're missing we mean by Alpha when we say that we live missions. Many of you have heard the expression, every student, what? Gives, goes, prays, and welcomes. And the welcome component there is reminding us of the great opportunity we have of simply welcoming internationals into our lives. And I hope that we'll see tonight too, before I'm finished, international students are both the harvest field and also the laborers for the harvest. Over here, you have the little 10-2 stickers. How many are participating that every day if your alarm or reminder goes off that at 10.02 every day that you are praying the Lord of the Harvest for workers in the Ready Harvest Field on the American campuses? Anybody? Glad to hear that. Okay. But remember this. The reason we're praying the Lord of the Harvest that he would send forth workers is because even God recognizes that it's the international students themselves who are not only the inner, that are not only the mission field, but they are the possible laborers for the continuing mission field. Imagine that. You're harvesting among those who will then be put to the sickle themselves in a sense of bringing in the harvest. And who better to reach other internationals around the world or among your people groups than those who already know the language, already know the culture, already have the familial and other associations in their cultures, and probably are going to return home to their home countries, the favorite sons and daughters who were sent four and six and eight and ten years earlier, and now being welcomed back to be prominent citizens within their communities. Who better to be ambassadors for Christ than probably the ones that you're already going to classes and labs with right now? And let me give you a little idea of what my experience has been, and I hope it'll be an inspiration to you. I brought my phone up here for what reason? I don't know because I'm not even seeing the You don't have a clock in here. This is like the trend in our churches, Pastor, right? We don't want people to know what time it is, right? Okay? <laughs> they won't watch their clock, right? Okay? But let me give you an idea of some of the strategies or approaches that 
that I and our students have done for 20-something years in reaching international students. By the way, your campus pastor knows that I didn't waste any time even today, did I? I walked up to the pizza counter, right, and met a girl from India, from Hyderabad, who was studying and, um, and uh, didn't get well acquainted with her. But I didn't even realize, Caleb, that I almost like forgot you were with me and I was in that mode again of meeting another internationalist. And what you don't know is that when you left us and then I had other occasions, I ran into two other internationals on this team. How many know there's internationals on this team? Okay. How many know how many students are on this campus? 700. On your campus of 13,000, right, students? 5% of your student population are international students. Since I've been on campus, since about, what, 4 o'clock or so this afternoon, I've probably seen 12 different ones myself. Now, if it was up to me, I would have known their names and how to contact them later already, because that's how aggressive I am. Maybe overwhelming themselves, but that's because that's the passion that God's put in my heart. But here's what I've done. Yeah, so when God said to me, now you finally figured out why I brought you to this campus. The next thing I did was I went to the international student office and I said, so what can I do to be involved on this campus that would help you in your office better serve your international students arriving? Little did I know, friends, that when I went there, I was meeting with a Christian administrator of the international student office who then a few weeks later said, Steve, I can only do so much as an administrator the university. I can't so overexpose or reveal myself that then it would cost me my job. But between us, I'm going to build or grow the student population. I hope I can partner with you that you grow the kingdom of God. And for the next 10 years as he was doing hundreds of students on that campus. How do we do it? The welcoming process. Every student what? Welcomes. We got involved in the welcoming process. The Air Force Breeding transportation. You know, the very first year I, I got involved, I simply volunteered to drive a university van to run to the airport and take the students and bring them back. Now at Kent State, that was a 45 minute to an hour drive to the Cleveland Hopkins Airport. Okay? But I did it and within three years, our Chi Alpha was in charge of the whole airport pickup process of 150 new students every fall semester. Now let me tell you, I want you to imagine with me. Imagine what happened in our ministry when the very first American friend a new international student meets is one of your Kyle students. Because you picked him up at the airport. And this was pre-9-11-2001 when you could meet them at the gate. And when you called them by name and they go, how did you know my name? How did you know to pronounce my name? How did you know I was arriving? And we welcome them and bring them to the campus. Because the campus wasn't ready for them at the time to allow them to move right in, we provided transitional housing. We gave them their first campus community tours. We volunteered with the orientation process. We helped them find apartments. We helped them figure out what the world a lease is and why they were signing their life away when they signed that lease. We helped them with furniture supplies. We gathered hundreds of pieces of furniture from dressers to study desks to mattresses and box springs. We gathered hundreds of pieces of good, not junk, used furniture all spring and summer for the next wave of international students coming in the fall. When 150 new international students hit our campus in the fall, the very first Saturday was our welcoming picnic and had hundreds of pieces of furniture all over this lawn and everybody walked away with at least one item to carry back, not by themselves, but we actually carried it with them to their on-campus or off-campus apartment. Do you think that made an impression on them? Of course it did. I have some students today from all over the world that will still say, I remember the first day I met you or your Kyle students, because when you helped me take up a sofa bed, what do you think, what do you call it? A, a sofa with the included bed, you know how heavy those things are, and take it up five flights of stairs because the elevator wasn't working, Okay, yeah, that's love. <laughs> okay. You take them on their first shopping trips to Walmart or Target. You take them to the ethnic stores, where the Indian store is, where the Asian store is. You, take, you do tabling and whiteboard outreaches. You do all kinds of first 40 events. In other words, you welcome the students without any other expectation that you might be able to build a friendship. 
but you just watch and see what God might do because at least you make the effort. We took internationals on excursions and sightseeing trips. What do students like to do around here? When they're not on campus and the Saturday comes around and they want to go somewhere and do something, where would they go? Apparently you don't go there, right? Where would they go? Where does somebody say, I, I wish some Saturday we could go off to where? Yes. What is that? <laughs> it's an arcade. Nearby? Okay, all right. Okay, folks, I'm talking about like hours away, like three hours away. Is it whitewater rafting? Is it snow skiing in season? I mean, obviously it's season, right? Not in September. Okay, all right. So we learned how to provide excursions and outreaches. We want whitewater rafting. Let me tell you, when you have rafts full of international students and they're all screaming in their native languages, you know the translation is, we're going to die, okay, when they're going down the whitewater rivers, all right? We take them on picnics and hiking and camping to the North Carolina beach, to Washington, D.C. Who's ever been to Washington, D.C. to see the monuments and memorials and museums? Can anybody guess how many times I've been? About 44 times in 20 years. Now, Jefferson is still standing there, Lincoln is still sitting there, and the Washington Monument hasn't moved. Well, actually, no, about 10 years ago it did move in an earthquake, and that's why they had to remodel some things. Same monuments, same memorials, same museums, but what makes me go 44 times in 20 years? It's always different students. And we have students from around the world today who say one of the most fantastic things they ever enjoyed socially or recreationally was going to Washington, D.C. Who's been to Niagara Falls before? You don't even want to ask how many times I've taken students to Niagara Falls two or three times a year for over 20 years. Okay? Cedar Point Amusement Park. Okay? The roller coaster capital of the world. Internationals think they've been on a roller coaster until they've been to Cedar all right, okay, and then I take them on the biggest, baddest, fastest, longest drop, and if they survive that, then I say the rest of the day is going to be easy. If I lose them after that, well, then fine, we'll sit on the park bench, but we're going to ride roller coasters, okay? Now, this may sound hilarious, like, come on, Steve, I'm not a tour guide. I'm not, I'm not like a bus driver. I'm, I'm not some escort for these students to have fun. Why not? Don't you want to have fun? Don't you want to have a breakaway? Don't you want to make more friends, okay? Organize a party, organize an excursion. We've gone to New York City on uh, Black Friday. What a day to go on, okay? <laughs> We've gone to Chicago and Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Charlotte, okay? What about having internationals enjoy the socials and the holiday activities that you enjoy? Halloween, you know, I'm, I've known international students that will not, will not understand to this day Halloween because no American has dared to tell them, well, some people celebrate Halloween and some people kind of avoid it because maybe what it you know, demonstrates and such as that. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve. What about their New Year's Eve? Do you know some of the most fun I've ever had with Chinese students is having a hot pot or other food party on their lunar or Chinese New Year, which was just a number of weeks ago, you know, here all over the world. Valentine's Day, Easter, 4th of July. You know, when you want to have a picnic, when you have to have a party, when you want to have an excuse for a party, why not invite international students and have them enjoy the fun? So the best, most open and honest talks I and our other Christian students have ever had with international students have been on road trip, road trip, hiking, picnicking, on the beach, road trips, excursions, sightseeing adventures. It's not hard to be involved in international student ministry if you just want to be a fun guy. If you just want to be fun, have fun, just bring along some international students with you, and it's amazing the relationship you can build with them. What about as a guest? I cannot tell you, honestly, and this isn't the brand, but I honestly can't tell you how many internationals have been in our home. When I was at Kent State for 16 years, we lived two blocks from Kent. I say, sorry to hear. Because sometimes you think the worst housing is the ones closest to campus. Okay? Or, my goodness, you and your family of five had to live close to campus, like on Frat Row or something like that? No. It was a nice residential community just two blocks from campus. Guys, hundreds of students have been in our home over the years. Now, I know your college career is only two or three or four, or maybe you're on the five or six year plan. 
Okay, but there is opportunity for you to invite international students in Europe. Do you know that 85% of all internationals who study in America never get invited into an American student or his family's home? Now, guys, 1.1 million students are on American campuses today. 700 students are here at your campus. That means that what? 600 some of them never tell their mom and dad and their other international friends about the wonderful privilege it was to be a guest at an American family's home. Guys, that's just wrong. It's just wrong for us as Christians not to extend hospitality. Home visitation, probably a hallmark of my ministry has been. I don't necessarily go to where they are. I go to where I know they're going to end up, meaning I stalk them at their home. Okay? I mean, I have for years. When internationals open their door and I'm standing there, or my students are standing there, it's like, I didn't know I lived here. Well, you gave me your email address and your phone number, and I just cross-referenced with the campus directory, and I found out this is where you live. Now, it may seem a little creepy to you, and maybe in this day or in this community that is creepy, okay? But when internationals have you standing at their door, let me tell you, magic happens. Because they're not going to turn you away. In their culture, you do not turn somebody away who comes as a guest or as a visitor to your door. No, they, they will not even stop with just offering you water or tea or some other refreshment. They will start cooking you dinner. And your planned 15-minute visit might be a two- or three-hour adventure of really getting to know a student who thought that never in their imagination would somebody care enough to actually come to their place. Oh, I'll see you at the library. I'll see you in the lab. I'll see you in the center. But he came to my house. I'm telling you guys, it makes a difference. You've got to make the effort. Now, what about spiritual things? You might be saying, well, that's not You know, like, how are you going to reach inside the students if you're not actually reaching inside the students? You know, what about all this friend stuff? Well, you've got to win their heart. You've got to gain their trust. There has to be some kind of relationship before you can really start ministering the good news of Christ into their lives. And when that time comes, and sometimes it goes like this, it's really been great getting to know you. We are so glad you've come to our university. By the way, there's a group of friends that get together every week. And when we get together, we not only enjoy building in our friendship, and you know what I'm getting at. You're thinking probably small group, life group, but actually it is a purposeful Bible study for international students. Again, I've lost count in the number of international students that has been my privilege to lead them in what I prefer as a chronological Bible study. From in the beginning gone to <coughs> coming back again someday. Guys, some of us have grown up in the church. Some of us are just beginning to hear the stories of the Bible that have been helped build our faith and give us knowledge you know, about what the Bible represents. But when you have an international student who has never heard the name of Jesus, and before you even mention him, you've talked about Adam and Eve, Jacob and Esau, and Abraham, and Moses, and all of those other Bible characters, and some of us, that they and their names and their stories and the lessons we've learned from them, we've long taken for granted. But when an international student hears that this Bible, this ancient book, this book representing this Western religion called Christianity, that's what they think, you know, that when this book suddenly comes alive as a story, as a narrative, that draws them into the point to where I've even had students say to me, I'm just like those people. And if God, you know, interacted or responded in that way to them, Oh my, God might respond that same way to me. Or in the good news, that because God showed his mercy, even though people acted this way, that when they, and they learned words like repentance. Some of us don't even know what repentance means, but they know what repentance means. Because I teach them how to drive sometimes. Yeah, I do. I actually take time to give them driving lessons. And when I tell them to do a Yui, I tell them, repent. Repent. 
repent. What is repent? I said, repent is to realize that you're going the wrong way and to suddenly make a yui go the right way. And so when I'm teaching them the word of God and we come to the word of repentance, it's so funny to hear students that I've been teaching how to drive or maybe use some other expressions before and they go, I know what that word means. And I was like, how do you know what that word means? Repentance means you recognize you're going the wrong way with your life and you stop and refuse to go that way anymore and you turn around and go God's way. The guys, that's when the light comes on. That's when the heart warms up. That's when the spirit begins to be re regenerated. And I'm here to tell you that there are dozens and dozens of brothers and sisters in Christ now around the world because someone cared enough, myself, our students, in their small groups, to actually teach the word of God in such a way that they were discipling with the end in mind. Or as I've been saying recently, discipling with the send in mind. In other words, teaching them the Bible as if it was their responsibility to prepare them for the rest of their lives. That once they leave your campus community and they go off into their major field, their expertise field, that what they're carrying with them now is a knowledge and a faith and a relationship in God and they've been discipled in such a way where, yes, God will bring other people into their lives after you. God doesn't fail them. God doesn't drop them upon graduation and say, well, we did the best we could. You know, it's up to somebody else. Okay, no. How many know the scripture? Some plant, some water. It's God who ought to be left up to the harvest, right, and the increase. But God invests many of us in the lives of these students. And then what about involvement in Chi Alpha itself? You may feel like, well, I don't know if an international student would come to this gathering on Monday night. Okay. You know what? I had that realization a lot, too. I knew some international students were not going to show up to the weekly meeting. In fact, some of them weren't even going to come to the small group because they knew it was a group of mostly Christians gathered and mostly American, white, Caucasian Christians gathering. And sometimes they were a little uncomfortable to even try it experiment with it, even kind of socially, you know, give it a try. And so, we would do other things to try to introduce them to the community, like eat food. You know, you got to eat, right? Why not invite an international student friend that you just met to eat with you on Tuesdays or Thursdays or whenever you're here in the student for? Um, you got to shop, you got to study, you got to run errands. You gotta just live life. Will you make room in your heart for one more friend? And will you make that friend an international student? Can I tell you of 700 international students on this campus? I can almost guarantee you there's not one Christian minister that is probably getting it done among those international. So why not go Why not be involved as Chi Alpha Ministry to say? You need not be like Steve. You know, most Kyopas are 80% American, 20% international. Commercial XA that way, you're not even that much, right? 80% American, 20% international. Okay, that's that's the average. But most of the ministries that I've led have been 90% international, 10% American. We sometimes meet American students at the door and say, oh, oh, oh. who are you? I'm here. I'd like to visit Kyopas. Um, authorized you to join us. You know, we're messing with them. Have a little fun at the doorway. The student used to ask us, you know, can I join Kyle? Well, I don't know. You know, we're kind of past our quota for this year, you know, of American students. Of course, it's really messing with them. And later they find out that they're in on the joke. Okay. But it's fun just to be able to say, we are such a multicultural, we're such a diverse group, even at Kent State, a very liberal campus back in those days, that, that there was a great joy in being able to welcome Americans as part of our fellowship. So sometimes you have to work a little bit harder. One of the things that my wife and I did in recent years while we were still at NC State, and that was we actually designed a Friday night international fellowship. And you might say, man, we already got plenty. Right? We meet on Monday nights. So I like groups meet when? Thursdays? Thursdays? Okay. I don't know how we can do much more, but I'll guarantee you, if you get some American Christian friends together and invite some internationals to play cards, to play board games, uh, to eat food together, to cook food together, and as you move 
weeks forward, begin to introduce the Bible. It's just a little vignette, like just a little insertion into here's a devotional thought. And asking even that Hindu and that Buddhist and that Muslim friend, so what do you think Jesus meant when he said this? Okay, how does that inspire you? Is this does this uh, you know motivate you in any certain way? It's amazing what God will begin to do. We started something five years ago uh, at NC State with two students from one from El Salvador and one from Panama, who simply said, we're going to start inviting friends to our house, our apartment, and see how many want to be a part of that. And in about the fourth or fifth week, we'll begin to introduce the Bible, and everybody will know, you know what we're trying to accomplish here, and if they want to continue meeting with us, well, then great. If not, then not. And what started that year, five years ago, grew into a regular, always in transition, right? Always those that graduate, but a regular group, I get this, of 40 to 50 internationals and Americans meeting Friday nights to eat food, play games, learn from the Bible, discuss from the Bible, and make cross-cultural friends. And it was because it was student-led. As staff, we made the opportunity to work, and then students made it happen. Friends, when you tell people that they're students, right? You know, you heard the expression, build it and they will come. Well, here this is cook it and they will come, right? Okay, fix it and they will come. Tell them that there's food and they will come. And when, we, when we had food, fun, fellowship, and friends, uh, it was amazing how God can use that. Now, you've heard me say tonight, we see that every Kyle, and not just every Kyle ministry, but every Kyle meaning we'd love to see that Marshall XA is representing uh, in such a way that everybody can speak of at least one international friend, maybe a classmate, a lab mate, a roommate, uh, somebody in some other social circle, that you can at least say, I'm trying to represent Jesus to that student. And then as a ministry, that you're actually intentionally, not accidentally, but intentionally seeking to befriend and love and serve internationals in creative ways. You can see every Chi Alpha eventually moving those students from friendship to then leadership. Can you imagine what would happen to Marshall XA if all of a sudden you had internationals helping lead worship, helping greet at the door, helping organize parties and activities, and being a part of your life groups? Now, you may not want to be that kind of high alpha, but can I be bold enough in my new role to say, if you're not, then you're not high alpha. Sorry, Caleb, you know I was going to say it. Okay? Every high alpha is making an effort to impact the internationals that are on your campus. Somebody in somebody's life group, somebody on staff, somebody in that pile that is making the first step in trying to reach internationals on this campus. And I hope it's somebody that you need to know. Now, can I answer the question for you that I posed at the very beginning? Okay, what do these people have in common? Well, the reason I pose that to you is because I wish I had time tonight to tell you more about Roger Sam from India, who I gave driving lessons to. Within an hour of his driving test, wrecked his car for the first time. But that didn't damper our friendship because I continued to disciple Roger Sam for another couple of years in his master's program. And today, he's vice president of Shell Oil for marketing. Raphael came to Kent State for a master's in education. Somehow we never connected with him. And that's when Kent State only had 500 internationals on the campus. Now I think they have 2,000, but it's been a few years. Raphael came for a master's, we never connected with him. As he came back to the U.S. through Cleveland Hopkins Airport, that's when we met him, when he returned for a Ph.D. In the four years that it took him to do a Ph.D. in education, with the focus on teacher training and curriculum development, this Catholic man, probably 35 years of age, older student, fell in love with Jesus, embraced God's word like he had never had before, 
enjoyed the fellowship of these other young saints, all of us, all of them, younger than himself. And yet when he graduated from his master's degree at Kent State, within five years he had become undersecretary of education for his whole country. Then there's Amaka from Nigeria, a large African woman, but very sweet, very beautiful, who just simply came to a place of recognizing this is my body, and I don't desire to look any different. But because of my love for fabric and fashion, she has now become, 10 years later, a world-renowned fashion designer African fashion for plus size African women. You don't know her name, you don't know her brand, but if you ask West Africans that you know Amaka Ambakoba, they would be Who else did I mention to you? Mel. Mel and FA. Mel has two PhDs the first one in chemistry, the second one in pharmacy. Right, farm D. He could be a pharmacist anywhere in America. He could be a pharmacist probably anywhere in the world. He could be a professor in a pharmacy school. His wife is fluent in three languages. They're from Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast of West Africa. Her first language is French. Her second language is English. Her third language is Spanish. In fact, she's a master translator now in Spanish. So what in the world does a man with two PhDs and a woman fluent in three languages have to do with Chi Alpha? Because they met in Chi Alpha, got married, and instead of being pharmacists and master translators somewhere in the world, they're pastors of a church of 250 people in Wayne County, Michigan, right across Antonio, Ohio. And then one of my favorite stories to tell Masoka Fallon, my last story, by the way. Masoka Fallon. Masoka is a big, barrel-chested African guy that my first conversation with him, I could not hardly even understand what he was saying. You ever know people like that? Who are they as sweet as can be, gentle as they can be, but what did he say? His accent was so thick from West Africa that I know he must have realized that we were all really straining to understand the first time what he would say. Well, we love Masoka, who came for a master's in biology. Any biologists here? Okay. Master in biology. He got his undergrad degree back home in Liberia, in the capital city, in the, in the most famous university there in Liberia. But he came for a master's degree in biology. We only knew him two years. We knew him best African guy that came first every Friday night for our fellowship gathering in our home, which was two blocks from campus. And even with a foot of snow on the ground, this African would tramp through that snow just so he could be sitting in the closest seat to the wood burning fireplace in our house. For you see, Africans don't do winter very well. Be careful. But because of his faithfulness and his eagerness, he grew in his spirit in the times of us singing to CDs in our home, because we didn't have a worship, you know, we didn't have musicians at the time, except for my wife, who's quite an accomplished teacher. But she didn't want to just lead all of the worship. Masoka grew in his faith, and then left us for the University of Kentucky for a PhD in immunology and cellular, yeah, cellular biology and immunology. Now, you know what that means, but some of us may like, okay, I cannot even what that is. A PhD that he finished in four years. And so just when we thought he, having expressed his dreams and ambitions to us, was finally now going home to Liberia? No. He gets a call from Harvard for a full-ride scholarship for a master's in public health. Now, I knew Masoko was smart. I didn't know he was that smart. And so he finishes his year degree, master's degree at Harvard. Now we're fairly confident that he's going home 
For you see, his heart's ambition through all of his education was to simply go back home and establish orphanage back in his home city of Liberia. He was an orphan. In fact, he grew up in those 80s and 90s when West Africa was in terrible turmoil with tribal conflicts and Muslim oppression. The man has a scar on his neck where they began to lick the blood after he had just seen his parents beheaded. They let him live and he resolved, God help me, I will be so educated and so accomplished that then I will come back as a name for myself that I might then raise up orphanages for that generation's little ones who are on the streets. And so he did. With all of his educational accomplishments, he goes back and starts block building orphanage structures to take in his first 30 children, and then 75, and then hundreds. But then another visitor came to West Africa in 2014, Ebola. Ebola began to take parents from their children, children from their parents, and parents from their spouses. Not only destroying the fabric of the society, but just leaving great devastation to the continuity, to the, to the glue of society. And yet, guys, I believe with all of my heart, for such a time as that, that Masoka Fowler, now Dr. Masoka Fowler, accomplished in biology, cellular immunology, whatever that is, was back in his home country when Ebola came to town and began to wreak havoc. And yet he stood up as a favorite son and began to say, hey, fathers, I have a plan and I have a vision and a passion from God himself. We must do these things or else Ebola is going to destroy our nation. And he, along with hundreds of other doctors and nurses and medical technicians of many sorts, made a coalition together that they were going to drive out Ebola. And I don't know if you ever noticed in 2014 at the end of the year when Time Magazine went to honor their person of the year. That year, it was persons of the year. And a Kyle student who used to sit in my living room on Friday nights with Mel and that bed and Sam and Raphael and Amaka, all of them in those days were just a few members of our fellowship. Who would have known that Masoka Fala would be one of those who would help save his nation from Ebola? And today, as an honor to him, he is the acting director general of National Public Health for Liberia and travels the world to speak at Science and Health Institute, not just Harvard, but Yale and Stanford and universities and health institutes around the world as an ambassador for Jesus Christ and accomplished in his medical field. Guys, this is what I'm here to say to you. You have no idea who's walking this campus right now, American or international. But if you will make the effort to befriend them, to love and serve them, to represent Jesus Christ to them, to disciple them in God's word, to make them be a part of your small group fellowship, to be a part of your broader community, you too should the Lord tarry and not come back as soon as he might. Two and five and ten and fifteen and twenty years might say, I knew him, I knew her when, but now look what God is doing through them for the benefit of our world and the benefit for the kingdom of God. Do you hear me tonight? There is so much potential in this room, there is so much potential on this campus. Let's be reaching and deciding American and international students. So that God might use them for his purposes' sake in the years to come. How many would say amen with me?
I know it's late, guys. I'm sorry to keep you so late. Still want worship team to come? Okay. Why don't you come? And I understand that we're going to sing a few songs. And I hope that what I've shared with you tonight has not just been a lot of information, but I hope maybe has been an inspiration to you tonight to consider how you and those that you might meet and befriend and love and serve in the future can do great exploits for God for His purpose. Amen. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. So, um, you guys want to stand with us again? We're just going to sing one more song.